Welcome to the Pain Solutions Podcast. Dr. Wayne Fimister is a family physician with a special interest in chronic pain, whose passion is finding solutions for this epidemic problem facing one-third of the adult population. He is a clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia in Canada and has developed one of the first online medical trigger point injection courses for doctors and nurse practitioners, a technique that is easily learned and implemented into the medical office of any doctor or nurse practitioner treating chronic pain. To get free access to Pain Solutions newsletter, blogs, and to register for his online course, simply register at www.waynefimister.com. On the podcast, Dr. Wayne brings together experts from various segments to share with you how they solve people's pain problems and how you can get this treatment too. And now, here's your host, Dr. Wayne Fimister. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this very special edition of the podcast show. My very special guest is Dr. Beth Darnell. Welcome, Beth. Oh, Wayne, it's such a pleasure to be here. Okay, so a little background on Beth. She is an associate professor at Stanford University, the School of Medicine. She's done quite a lot of things in her career. She's a pain scientist and a principal investigator for the NIH, and she does clinical trials around chronic pain and acute pain and looking for ways to help people with using science prove the effectiveness of treatments that many people are doing. And also, she's been involved with briefing the U.S. Congress on the opioid and the pain crisis. And her work has been featured in Scientific American and also the Washington Post and the BBC Radio. Good old BBC back in the U.K. So, Beth, listen, it's fantastic to have you here. Um, <laughs> Let's just go back in time. Tell us a little bit about you. You know, where did you grow up? Where did you go to university and get your training? So I grew up in southern New Mexico, you know, which is really at the very bottom of the United States in a small town that was very close to Texas and the Mexican border. Um, so there was great Mexican food and really nice culture in that area. And I left there when I was 18. I took off and went to college in a few different locations, traveled a bit around the world. I ended up going to graduate school for clinical psychology in Boulder, Colorado, which is just a beautiful location. And all the while, Wayne, I have to tell you, in my undergraduate school and all the way through graduate school, no information was provided on pain or the treatment of pain. So I didn't become interested or really exposed to treating pain until I was doing my clinical internship at the VA hospital in Tucson, Arizona. Wow. Okay. So you've been around the block, you've traveled the world. Now you're in this field of pain medicine. So, you know, did you have any personal experience with pain that maybe drew you into this? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. When I got to the VA hospital and was doing my internship, I found, you know, a lot veterans typically will have chronic pain, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder. These are common experiences that require treatment. And I found that I gravitated towards pain. I connected well with individuals who were suffering. From that point, I went to Johns Hopkins University to do a postdoctoral fellowship. And there I was working with 
very complex medical conditions, spinal cord injury, amputation, catastrophic burn, and again, connecting very well with individuals who are suffering. I did not set out to become involved with pain research and treatment from a personal perspective, but I do believe that the reason that I connected so easily and well with people who are experiencing pain was from my own personal experience when I was younger. So I had lived with chronic pain but did not receive medical treatment for it until I was about 19 years old. Wow. So, and what was the valuable lesson you got from that? So it was interesting. Pain was just something that I just lived with and really had no information about what I could do to help myself. And I did not seek medical treatment for it. When I was 19, my pain worsened intensely. And this was at least partly attributable to some personal stressful experiences a person very close to me passed away. Naturally, my stress was high, a lot of distress and grief. And so my pain amplified. And I went to the hospital because I didn't, you know, I was scared about the pain and I didn't know why it was worsening. And I received a medical workup at the hospital, but they didn't find anything. They couldn't tell me what was wrong. So they sent me home with prescription for Vicodin medication. And of course, Vicodin being an opioid medication. And that was all that was given to me. And this was problematic for me at that point in my life because that wasn't the treatment that I needed. You know, opioids may be a good treatment for some people, but that was not the treatment that I needed at that point in time. And, you know, as the wheel of life has turned and, you know, I became a pain psychologist and a pain researcher and began developing interventions to help expand access to basic pain care nationally and internationally, what I naturally ended up doing with one of my first treatments was putting together the class or the program that would have been so beneficial to me when I was 19. So um, so that is a lot of the information that I have ended up putting forward. Excellent. Now, there's two things, Beth, that you've mentioned here I want to bring up. The first is the stress and how stress makes pain worse. And, you know, in my daily practice as a family physician focused on treating pain with a variety of different modalities, this is the one thing that I hear all the time. When there's stress happening in life, their pain gets worse. And then I jump in to explain, like, well, why that is the case. And that's what I really appreciated with your work when, you know, we met several months ago down in Stanford at the first Empowered Relief Workshop where you were teaching us all about this stress. So could you maybe just for the benefit of our audience, explain why stress is so pivotal at making pain worse? Yeah, it's a great question. And you're right, you know, you, you talk to almost anyone who's living with ongoing pain and they observe a very close connection between stress and pain. And there are multiple mechanisms that 
connects stress and pain. I mean, even at the surface, when you think about it, pain is stressful. I mean, nobody wants to experience pain. And so it is a type of stressor to our being. I mean, we are hardwired to interpret pain as noxious, something that is to be avoided, something that we wish to escape because it is unpleasant and very distressing. So pain is a warning signal or a danger signal that there requires our attention and it motivates us to escape whatever may be causing the pain. And so, so at its core, you know, it, it's a useful signal designed to be stressful. What pain exacts physiologically is, you know, there's hormonal changes, um, stress hormones are released when we experience pain. So we may have cortisol or adrenaline, hormones that prepare us to actually take action and escape pain. We can experience alterations in brain functioning as distress is amplified or as we are maybe focusing more intensely on the pain or even ruminating on the pain, desiring to escape it. We experience neuromuscular changes all intended to facilitate an escape from the pain. All of these physiological changes are occurring. And, you know, if we're not able to escape the pain, which most people aren't, they can simply compound some of the suffering. If we don't have adequate skills in place to manage all of these responses, stress is amplified further which feeds back into the pain experience. So it's really a bi-directional relationship that we see between stress and pain. Yes, exactly, exactly. Now pain leads to more pain and you know the brain gets affected and basically the cycle doesn't stop. Like I've had patients 50 years, 50 That's years right. and their life has been I ruined. know. And it's just it's just I can't even start to think about how awful that <laughs> yeah. must be for people. But okay, so we talked about stress. There must be an antidote, you know, to this. So what are you teaching? And what have you got to share for our audience tonight? So one of the key pieces of information that I share with people, in, in addition to, you know, this basic understanding about how pain and stress are connected, you know, when we experience pain, it exacts a response, a pain response occurs, and it is identical to a stress response. So you have this pain and stress response. And what's important for people to know is that while these pain and stress responses are automatic, and they happen without us thinking because we're hardwired to have this response. We have control over it. And this is a little known fact. Um, because it happens automatically, it can feel outside of our control. But in fact, there is a very basic skill set that can be learned, which is the antidote to these pain and stress responses, and that is what we call the relaxation response. And so when these pain and stress responses occur, we can apply these simple skills such as diaphragmatic breathing, muscle relaxation, these guided relaxation techniques 
can serve to dampen these automatic and unhelpful responses. And so that when we use them over time, we begin to observe that our pain and stress responses are lessened over time and they are less impactful over time. And that's how we start to gain control over our pain experience. It's by cultivating a level of control over how our brain and our body respond to pain. Okay, so our audience are dying to hear, well, how can they start this process themselves, even right now? If they're in a safe environment, say they're at home listening, and they say, okay, well, how do I do this? How do I start this relaxation response? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. You know, I love doing these relaxation exercises myself, so you've just given me a really nice opportunity to give myself some relaxation medicine. So, okay, so let's get started. This is really basic. I invite everyone to find themselves in a nice, comfortable, seated position. And I invite you to close your eyes and turn your attention inward and begin noticing your breath. And as you just observe your breath, invite your breath to soften and to slow so that you'll begin breathing more slowly. Think of it as downshifting your breath to a nice, comfortable, slow pace. And you may take the palm of one of your hands and place it just below your belly button on your abdomen. And as you place your hand on your abdomen, and as you continue to breathe gently and slowly, imagine that you're expanding your breath, drawing each breath more deeply into your body. Imagine that you're drawing your breath all the way down into the palm of your hand so that as you breathe, you may begin to observe a subtle, gentle rising and falling of your abdomen with each slow breath. And as you're breathing slowly and deeply, just allow any thoughts that may enter your mind to gently drift away. As you guide your attention back to your breath, back to breathing deeply, and slowly, allowing yourself to sink into the rhythm of your breath and allowing yourself to feel nourished 
and nurtured by your breath. Good, just breathing slowly and deeply. So I will allow everybody to come back into awareness and present time now. That's just a really brief entry level sampling of slow diaphragmatic breathing. Uh, we typically do between 10 and even 20 minutes of a guided breathing and also muscular relaxation exercise. And what this serves to do is it calms mind, it calms body, it slows heart rate, it opens up the blood vessels, dilates the blood vessels, and eases us into an overall state of deep relaxation that serves to dampen pain processing in the central nervous system. And it allows us to mentally shift out of those unhelpful patterns of thought where pain may grab our attention and really want to keep it there. Well, this allows us to shift right out of that pain mindset and into a state of deep relaxation that is the antidote to the pain and stress response. So thank you for that opportunity, Wayne. Wonderful. That was great to uh, have another exercise led by yourself and, you know, just enjoy, enjoy the, the process <laughs> of relaxing and enjoying this breath. It's an amazing thing we do all the time and most of us are not aware of it, but when we bring our attention to it and slow it down, we can literally change our physiology and thus over time change your pain. So yeah, much, much appreciation for that. So Beth, I just want to ask, you know, where can our audience learn more about this? Maybe a book you've read or on online where they could maybe purchase this um, audio that you're describing like 20 minutes. Can we get a hold of this and use it ourselves? So I've written a few books for patients and a couple of books for clinicians. So the easiest way to access a guided relaxation audio file that also includes binaural technology, that's available in my two books that I have written for people living with chronic pain. One is called Less Pain, Fewer Pills. And the other book is called The Opioid-Free Pain Relief Kit. This second book is a very simply written, skills-based workbook for people who want practical information about how they can begin training their brains away from pain. Both of these books actually come with the binaural relaxation audio file. And if someone simply wanted to purchase that audio file separately, it's owned by Bull Publishing and is accessible at the Bull Publishing website. Okay. Now, you've mentioned a, an interesting word there. You brought in binaural. Can you just explain to us what binaural meditation is about? <laughs> yeah. So binaural sound is 
Very interesting. So bi meaning to and oral meaning auditory. And so binaural is when there are sounds that go in one ear and then in the other ear in rapid alternating succession. And so, you know, some songs on the radio naturally have some, you know, binaural stereo type of audio quality to them. But the science on binaural technology is very interesting. It's binaural audio is used in education frequently because there has been literature to suggest that it facilitates the encoding of information. It, it helps you learn more quickly and more efficiently. And so I include binaural on my relaxation audio file because we are retraining mind and body away from pain. We are in training mind and body into a state of deep relaxation when it is accustomed to being in a persistent state of stress, a stress response in reaction to the experience of pain. And that is what we are extinguishing with um, the relaxation audio file. So the binaural technology allows one to achieve a deeper state of relaxation than one would without it, essentially. There was a cool study done in patients who were undergoing surgery and researchers provided some patients with a binaural audio file during their surgical procedures and other patients did not receive the, the binaural audio file. And what they found was that the people who received the binaural during surgery required less anesthesia during the surgery. And this stands as a testament to the ability of the binaural audio to essentially encourage a very steep state of relaxation that is less reactive, less responsive. You have lower heart rate, lower respiratory rate, all of these indices of relaxation and wellness. Well, listen, thank you, Beth. As you know, I've been doing some workshops for Empowered Relief, which involves this binaural meditation. And I've really been enjoying incorporating the principles that we're talking about tonight into my daily practice. And even tonight, and there's something I'm going to share with the audience, is <laughs> when we get into deeper relaxation, when we're in that state, we're actually having more effects on our physiology than maybe slight relaxation. And just the way that you worded that tonight, but yeah, the binaural gives you deeper into relaxation that helps encoding memory, therefore helps the, the nervous system to change and shift away from that fight-flight, fear-based, survival-based setup to more of a chilled relaxation, healing state or response. And i just like to thank you. You know, there's interesting little things are just said and that helps to ground this knowledge. And, and hopefully our audience can realize, well, maybe I should be relaxing more in my life. You know, maybe I should go for a walk. You know, enjoy that cup of coffee <laughs> and, and have a good conversation with a good friend or a, a partner, you know, and, and just relax and enjoy. And that's so important to 
engaging this heart-body connection. So I'd like to thank you for saying that. Yeah, thank you, Wayne. And you're absolutely right. You know, pleasure is medicine. And so the more that we engage in joyful activity, pleasurable activities, and relaxing activities, of course, that's beneficial and so important for wellness. And I just want to say, you know, this specific piece of the relaxation response is it's very measurable, it's very specific, and it serves to literally counteract pain and these pain responses. So I do put forward that the relaxation response is medicinal and when regularly can truly, truly help us alter these hardwired neuromuscular patterns that are working to our disadvantage simply because they're automatic. And, you know, it's just an opportunity. It requires attention and, you know, an easy skill and used over time, it really can provide a transformative level of control over one's experience. I mean, tell me how people are responding to your workshops, Wayne. I'm so curious. Well, I've done two so far. I've got another one coming up in a few weeks. And I think they really appreciate the knowledge of how they can be in charge of their nervous system through relaxation and through this type of meditation where they're just sitting listening to these alternating sounds in their ears. And um, they're just so grateful that it's made so simple and easily explained and that they can understand it and walk with it. And um, I think that's probably the biggest take home I've received from a number of my patients and their family members who do yeah. come as well. Ah, uh, that's lovely. Well, and you can see why I entitled this single session class Empowered Relief, because it really is all about putting power back in the hands of the individual who has been struggling with ongoing pain. And I have certainly found it to be tremendously gratifying to provide individuals with tools that they can apply to shift their physiological responses to leverage themselves into a state of deeper relaxation, to begin to extinguish some of the unhelpful thought patterns and distress that people naturally experience in the context of pain. I mean, I, you know, I always say nobody wants more pain, but if we don't have the right skills at our, our fingertips available to us, we can unwittingly be contributing to our pain simply because we're distressed about it and, and aren't applying tools to help ourselves feel better. Exactly. Exactly. Well, very well said. You've been extremely eloquent tonight, Beth. And it's been wonderful to have you on the show as a leading world researcher and clinician helping people all around the world with this evidence-based or science-based work that is now being brought into the clinical environment for doctors and therapists. And it's just wonderful to know that you're, you know, I know you're going to be in Amsterdam next year at the big World Congress um, sharing this with multiple numbers of uh, physicians. Um, so I'd, I'd like to congratulate you really 
for what you're doing. And it's just been a privilege for me to be involved with you and in and, and helping out doing these workshops. So, uh, Wayne, thank you so much. Well, I, you know, I'm just honored that you are an empowered relief instructor and I have my eye on you. So I want you to stay in touch with me and let me know what you're doing as you travel the world and going to Scotland to give your next workshop. And uh, I'd love to hear all about that. So thank you for moving this work further out into the world and into the hands of people who need it. Okay, well, listen, thank you so much. You've touched my heart tonight. It's been wonderful. And um, I'm sure the audience has loved it too. So we're going to bow out now again. And I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. Good night.